This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for April 4th, 2018. In this episode, we'll discuss 10 of the most common online scams, how they present themselves, and how to avoid them. The Intego Mac Podcast is presented by Intego, makers of security and utility software exclusively for Apple products since 1997. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. There hasn't been any major security news this week, but Apple released updates to everything. That's iOS, macOS, watchOS, tvOS, iPodOS? No, we don't get updates for that anymore. But we saw the release of iOS 11.3, macOS 10.13.4, and the corresponding version numbers for the other operating systems. So if you haven't updated yet, you should. One of the big features in iOS 11.3 is this new battery health setting. And we talked about the battery issue some months ago. You'll now be able to see your battery's maximum capacity, and you'll see if the performance is throttled if you have one of the phones where throttling exists. Josh, do you realize that this is the 25th time that we have gotten together as the voice of Mac security? Wow, 25, that's got to be some kind of uh, special anniversary, isn't it? I think it's a silver anniversary when it's weddings, but you and I aren't that close yet, are we? (laughs) I wouldn't say so. Well, this week, I wanted to talk about some really dangerous stuff. It's wild west out there, isn't it, when you're on the internet, when you're shopping, when you're browsing, when you're surfing, when you're just researching your homework or whatever it is. There are all sorts of online scams. There are scammers around every corner. They're just waiting for you. And I thought it would be interesting to make a list of the top 10 online scams that people need to worry about. There'll be an article on the Intego Max Security blog. I'll link to it in the show notes. And let's go through some of them and explain what these scams are, how they work, and how we can protect ourselves. I think the most common scam is phishing. Would you agree? Yeah, this is something that's actually been around for a really long time. Practically as long as email or the internet have been around, there have been sites that have been trying to deceive you into divulging information, giving your credit card number to a a site that's pretending to be a a shopping website or something like that. There's, There's all kinds of scams out there that are trying to get information out of you or, or steal your money. And, and that's, that's, uh, basically what phishing is. It pretty much comes down to stealing your money in the end, because the kind of information that they want is the information to access your online accounts, whether this be your bank account or your iTunes store account or even your Amazon account. Though I haven't heard too many stories of people having problems with Amazon, because if you've ever ordered something on Amazon to send a friend a gift, for example, so if you enter a new shipping address, Amazon requires you to re-enter your credit card information. So you can't just go onto someone's account and put new addresses easily. Right. They, they do have a little bit of a barrier there to make it more difficult for someone who has figured out your password for your Amazon account to be able to have stuff shipped to them. So that, that is true. Although Amazon actually has been used in other attacks before. Actually, looking back at it, this was in t- 2012. Matt Honan was a journalist whose accounts got compromised, multiple accounts from, from multiple different companies. And this is a quote from, from his famous article in August 2012. He said, getting into Amazon, let my hackers get into my Apple ID account, which helped them get into Gmail, which gave them access to Twitter. <laughs> so they went through this complicated process uh, to basically take over multiple accounts. And all of this was just because they were 
having a laugh. And one of the things he points out is that when the person got into Amazon, they were able to see the last four digits of a credit card number, which other platforms may use to help you verify your identity. No one will ever ask you for your complete credit card number, not even your bank. But it's not uncommon that someone will say, okay, you placed an order here. What are the last four digits of your credit card? So it, it can be a kind of a domino effect with phishing, just simple phishing at one site being the first domino that falls and leads to potentially another account being compromised on another site because of information that was available on the first site. So phishing is really one of the most serious online scams. And I'll link to an episode of the Intego Mac podcast where we talked about that. I think the simplest thing to say is if you're not sure, don't click. And even if you're sure, think carefully because it's very easy to trick people. One of the things that I always recommend to people is that if you get, for example, an email from your bank, you know, or it seems to be from your bank or from Apple or something like that, instead of even hovering over the link, just, just don't even open the email. If it, it, you know, you can usually tell from the subject or from the, the preview, uh, the first you know, sentence or something from, of the message, what it's about. And, it, and you can go to that website from a bookmark that you've used for, you know, for years. So you know, it's a legitimate bookmark and you know that that's going to take you to the actual site. Most of the time, and we, and we talked about this on a previous episode, most of the time they will give you some kind of information about your account once you log in. If there's some special thing, if you have to reset your password or something like that, usually you will have some indicator of that when you log into your account. So other types of scams, and I'll lump together two different scams. One is the fake antivirus scam, a way of tricking people into installing software that is a Trojan horse. Often people will go to a website and they'll see a sort of alert. Ooh, there's a virus on your computer. And of course, it's funny because Mac users go to these websites and they see these sort of Windows XP dialogues that come up. And the other one is fake software updates. And we've discussed this a number of times, particularly about Adobe Flash and Microsoft Office. So both of these are Trojan horses that can allow malicious users to install software on your computer that can give them access to all of your information. Right. And Trojan horses, I mean, they, they can really be a variety of different things. But ultimately, the goal is usually to steal data from, from your computer or a Trojan horse is a way for somebody to get into your computer. One subclass of fake antivirus software is rogue antivirus software. And basically what that means is that it might actually detect malware if you use it to scan, but... Ultimately, the goal of this software is something that's um, a little bit shady. A lot of times they will, for example, steal somebody else's antivirus engine, but the, with the ultimate goal that they're just trying to scam you out of your money. So they, they might really legitimately detect certain things, but it's not a reputable company. Uh, and they might be doing some other things on your system to spy on you or things like that. Or to mine cryptocurrencies, which is becoming extremely popular. Right. Text message scams are another type of phishing, and this is very similar, and I think I mentioned this when we talked about phishing in the previous episode. I've had a couple of fraud alerts on one of my credit cards with a bank here, and th this is the kind of thing where the bank looks at my spending activity and sees something and says, well, that's not normal, so we're just going to block the card. And they send me a text message, and they say to call this number. And it's just like you said earlier, don't ever call that number. Don't ever click that link. Go to the website. And I have, I have really berated my bank three times about this, saying, 
How do I know that this is a legitimate text message and not a spoof? And if I call that number and I start giving out information, it could be risky. And they don't seem to understand what the risk is here. Right. Yeah. You can't really trust the caller ID on an incoming phone call or the, you know, the ID that you might see in a text message. Those things are spoofable. In other words, somebody could pretend to be sending you a text message from the same from the same account that your your bank usually sends you text messages from. So you have to be really, really cautious about things like this. We tend to trust too much. We trust that when we see caller ID on a phone or on a text message, that that's the correct number. That when we get an email, that it is coming from who we think because we're just honest. Well, I'm honest. I know you're honest. Maybe some of our listeners aren't entirely honest, sure. but I don't think so. They wouldn't be listening to this. <laughs> they wouldn't be listening to us if they weren't. No, of course not. Um, but we tend to just assume by default that things are true, yet Working in this industry, we, we sort of develop a thick shell and we start assuming that things are false, don't we? Yeah. Well, and we've talked many times about how I, in particular, am the paranoid one, right? So I, it's it's definitely true. When you're, when you're so exposed to all of these, you know, different kinds of scams and things like that, it's very easy to, to develop that hard shell. But the average user probably doesn't really get that much exposure to just how much in the way of scams and, and you know, malware and people trying to hack into your accounts and things like that are really out there and are really going on on a daily basis. So, yeah, it's, it's something that I think one of our roles as journalists is to, to help people, the, the average user, to help the average user to identify scams and be aware of them just so they can hopefully not get scammed. Listeners don't realize that when we're recording this podcast, we use Skype so we can see each other. And it's a lot easier to have interaction and we can hold up our hands when we want to talk. And Josh is so paranoid, he actually wears a mask. I have never seen his face yet. I actually wear this 24-7. I, I never go out in public without some kind of a mask on my face. Your wife has never seen what you look like. Never. Your kids don't know who their father is. Nope. <laughs> But talking about average users, something interesting happened here about a week ago. My partner has a credit card with a certain financial institution, and she went to the website, and everything was different all of a sudden. Hmm. And she got very worried because she thought, now that she's aware of this stuff, because I've explained a lot of it, she thought, well, maybe the URL was wrong, and she went through a bookmark, or maybe it got hijacked, and it was telling her to change her password. And she came to me. She was really worried about this. And this, I think, is an issue with banks and financial institutions, that if they do make changes, they should alert you. Now, the bank I use most has alerted me when they made a, a, a major change to their interface last year. And I, I think it's really important that they do that because you can be surprised and you end up on a site and you don't trust it. Or also you end up on a phishing site because it looks the same as the new one and you get confused, basically. We're used to things being the same over time. Right. We're going to take a break for a minute. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a really interesting scam and a great movie that took advantage of this. As a security conscious Mac user, one of the first things you probably install on a new Mac is security software from Intego. You probably tell your friends and family to do so as well. And here's something else you can tell them. Now's the perfect opportunity for first-time Intego users to get 60% savings on award-winning Intego software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9. 
Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a full suite of outstanding Intego software and includes the antivirus, anti-phishing, and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today and then use the promo code Intego Podcast to save 60% at checkout. That's Intego Podcast to save 60% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. This offer will be ending soon, so don't wait much longer. Save 60% on Mac Premium Bundle X9 or Mac Washing Machine Secure X9 or Mac Internet Security X9. Just use the promo code Intego Podcast at checkout. Intego, devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit Intego.com today. Josh, do you remember a movie called Now You See Me? Yeah, I remember seeing it a, a number of years ago. It's about five years old, and it was a story with a group of magicians who were scamming a guy, Michael Caine, out of millions of dollars. And... They're doing some really fancy illusions and tricks and all that. But the thing at the end where they explain how they got into his bank account to scam him is really interesting. And about a half hour earlier in the movie, they were on this guy's private jet and they were just talking with him and all this stuff. And they were saying something about, you know, his pets and his uncle and places that he went when he was young and all that. And then, of course, at the end, it turns out that these were all his security questions and he didn't realize it. What was your first pet, Josh? I don't think I'm going to answer that question, Kirk. Who was your favorite uh, grade school teacher? <laughs> so so this is a scam that, that exists apparently on Facebook, where some people will just randomly ask questions in Facebook groups or whatever. You know, what was your first car? What's your favorite sports team? And I guess that over time, if they can build up a profile of the things you talk about and the answers, and let's say someone looks at a Facebook profile of someone and, and they find out, well, where they went to grade school and, you know, talking about pets. Oh, my first cat was named Fido and he was so wonderful. And all of these questions over time can build up. Now, I have an article on the Intego Security blog about how to choose and answer security questions. And one of the problems with these questions is that they often use stock questions like, what's your mother's maiden name? There must be a register someplace of everyone's mother's maiden name in the United States and probably in other countries. Yeah, this is definitely not something that you want to give straight answers to, especially because of things like Facebook. I mean, if you, th if you think about it, you're probably connected to somebody who has your mother's maiden name. <laughs> if you're if you're on Facebook and you are connected with your relatives, there's a good chance that somebody that you're connected to has that last name. And so, you know, it's just not a good idea to actually use the correct answers whenever you get these these questions like this. What I usually do is I just use another pseudo random password as my security question answer. So it makes it impossible for somebody to just guess. Exactly. So there are two techniques. One is to choose the questions that have the most obscure answers. Mm -hmm. And the second is to just answer something totally different, answer a different question. Just lie. For example, what's your favorite color? Answer, you know, the New York Knicks. <laughs> but make sure you make a note of that in your password manager so you don't forget it. Because when you start to get old and memories start to fade away, 
and you try to remember that question and you need it to get back into an account, you're not going to remember what you answered unless you keep a, a, a secure note of it. So another interesting online scam is typo squatting. And there are two ways that this can exist. So typo squatting is where someone uses a tricky URL Instead of a domain name that ends with .com, they'll end it with .con or .om or whatever the, the, the varieties are available. They'll maybe misspell the domain name, Amazon, with an M at the end instead of Amazon. Or there's even another trick where they can use certain characters that look like other characters, and, and that's particularly vicious. How can we protect against this? Well, many browsers have protections built in for the uh, the Unicode type scams where somebody is using, uh, say, a different A character, for example, in Amazon.com. These are called homograph attacks, ones where somebody is using a, a character from another language that looks almost identical to the English character. In fact, in some cases, it's completely indistinguishable to the naked eye. And uh, so these homograph attacks are something that is still a problem in particular in Chrome. For whatever reason, Google doesn't seem to want to treat this the same way that, uh, that you know, some of the other major browsers are treating those URLs. So there, there are third-party extensions that you can get for Chrome to make those attacks more evident. Yeah, they're pretty risky. I think the safest thing is to, whenever possible, use a bookmark for the sites that you go to regularly whether it's an Apple site or Amazon or a news site or a, a gaming site, a forum site, whatever you use, keep, keep bookmarks so you don't really have to type the URLs. And notice that if you do start typing a URL in your browser's address bar and it doesn't autocomplete, if it's a site you've visited before, then be very careful because that means you've misspelled something and it's going to take you to a different domain. It's getting to be tax season. By the time this episode is published, I hope everyone will have filed their tax in the United States because there won't be much time left. And at this time of year, there are lots of online tax filing scams where it might be typo squatters, it might be phishing. You need to be particularly careful because this is a time of year when people are, A, sending a lot of personal information online when they file their taxes, and B, they might be going to websites to get tax help, to get financial information and all that. Another similar scam is around online shopping. And this is pretty common in the holiday period. You'll run into some fake websites. You know how when you've got kids and there's a certain toy every Christmas that every kid absolutely wants. And, you know, out of the hundreds of millions of kids, there's only about one million of that toy. And so... <laughs> You go to the usual sites and nope, we won't have it for two months. Then you go to the sites that you've visited a few times, but not regularly. And they said, nope, we're out of stock. Then you start searching on Google. Where can I buy this? Where can I buy this? And you find lots of sites offering these things that, you know, you'll see one at a normal price instead of an inflated price available for delivery tomorrow. Hmm. Yeah, I would be suspicious about that. <laughs> It could very well be a scam site that is just trying to steal your credit card information and may not really have that product that you're looking for. One thing worth noting is that you do have protection if you buy with a credit card, and you also have protection if you buy with PayPal. They're both generally the same sort of protection. You don't have to worry too much, but it really is a hassle to have spent money on a particular thing for a Christmas gift or a birthday gift, and then not only to not get it, but have to follow up all the, the, the problems that you have to deal with it. Worth pointing out, however, that 
you shouldn't just shop on the big sites. There are bargains on other sites. I've found Google Shopping to be relatively reliable. So I recently bought a new camera. And when I was looking online, I checked a couple of camera stores that I knew. And I checked the usual Amazon. And then I went on Google Shopping and I found a store, which I had never heard of, but it's a real store, that had the same thing for about 10% less. And this wasn't a gray market camera. This was a normal, you know, official dealer. So it is worth browsing, but just be careful. It's hard to tell sometimes the sites that are scammy. So it's probably best if you have any doubt to not shop in places that you don't know. But on the other hand, don't forget that there are everything from huge online dealers to small, you know, mom and pop shops that sell online. One thing to just be aware of, though, with those small mom and pop sites is you may not necessarily know how good their security is. And so you should keep that in mind as well. Yes, that's a good point. And it's fair to say that if you go on a site like that, and I'm not touting any one method of payment over another, but there are methods like PayPal and Apple Pay that do protect you as an intermediary. So if you buy with PayPal, you're not giving your credit card number to the mom and pop site. If you use Apple Pay, it's the same. They're only getting information that's a, a sort of a token authorizing the transaction. And this is actually one of the safest ways to buy these days. It's not a question of whether it's faster or more convenient, but you do have the security. And in fact, when I go to websites that are selling things and, and offering to take payment by PayPal, there's usually a, a big dialogue that says, and you don't have to give your credit card number because you're only giving it to PayPal or you've already got a credit card or bank account linked with PayPal. Oh, that sounds like good advice. What about free Wi-Fi? I don't know if you travel a lot, but every time I travel, there's free Wi-Fi all over the place and airports and train stations and hotels. Some of these are scams, but not in the same way. They're not trying to rip us off. What are they trying to do? Well, th so there's a couple of things that they could be trying to do. One is they could be trying to spy on what you're doing online. That's, that's certainly one possibility. In some cases, a Wi-Fi network might be set up specifically for the purpose of stealing credentials from uh, people trying to log in at non-HTTPS sites, for example. Right. And in security lingo, we call that a honeypot. Yeah, exactly. In other cases, though, it may not necessarily be something that's set up for malicious purposes. They may legitimately, you know, the company, you know, whatever it might be, a hotel or, or a, an airport, they might legitimately, in some cases, set up a free Wi-Fi network. And just for convenience, they don't put a password on it. Always be careful. Anytime you're connecting to a Wi-Fi network that doesn't have a password, and very specifically what I mean by that is, on a Mac, if you're if you're clicking on the Wi-Fi menu and you don't see a padlock next to that Wi-Fi logo, that means you're connecting to a network that has no security. So be very aware of that. What that means is that basically anybody who's on that same Wi-Fi network could potentially be spying on what you're doing, not just the operator of that network. It, it could actually be possible for other people who are nearby to spy on what you're doing. So you have to be super careful. If you're going to connect to one of those networks, if you want to take that risk, which I don't really recommend for in most cases, but if you have to take that risk because there's something that you must do right that moment and you need Wi-Fi, you have to at least use a VPN. 
Right. And we'll link to an episode where we talked about using VPNs and to an article on the Mac security blog about VPNs. And and you have to pick a, a VPN that's that's a reputable provider and that does things to specifically to protect you when you're on a, an untrusted network. There's one exception to that padlock in the Wi-Fi menu, and that's if you have a personal hotspot from your iPhone. I'm looking at mine right now, and my iPhone 8 Plus has the personal hotspot. It's not currently active, but it has been active. So what you see is you see the number of bars of service, and then I'm seeing 3G, or I would see 4G if reception was better. And next to that, I see a battery icon, but not a padlock. Now, it is still secure because it's going into my iPhone securely, and you do have to enter a password, but it doesn't show you that. So you might actually encounter if, let's say, you're in a hotel and there's a lot of people and some have personal hotspots, you might see some of their personal hotspots there. And the last one is, well, I guess this is a scam about as old as they come. And in in the article on the Mac security blog, uh, it was just coincidental that when I was writing that article, I got an email in the morning. It said, Dear Kirk, my name is Anne, and finally I decided to write to you. I am from Russia, but now I live in USA. I saw you photos on Facebook and can't get you out from my head. These online dating scams, uh, they go back to, I mean, I've been using email since 1994, I think, and I remember them way back then. Of course, they didn't send photos back then because photos were too big to send with email because bandwidth was so slow. But these will never die, will they? No, probably not, because there are just enough people who are you know, super lonely and and super trusting and just want to, you know, just in case there really is somebody who saw my online profile, they might be interested in replying or, or clicking on a link or something in one of these messages. One of the things is that so many people use online dating that... You know, maybe they're exchanging their real email address with people and they are getting emails from people that, hey, they do want to communicate with. So you need to be particularly careful. I mean, those ones written with an accent and the person says they're from Russia. It's obvious that that's a little bit scammy. But in other cases, you've got to be careful. Of course, online dating is full of all sorts of other issues. And maybe we'll cover that in a future episode. There are all sorts of things you need to worry about, not only in security, personal security, but, you know, financial security. So that's the 10 biggest online scams. There are plenty of others. I think the, the the best thing to remember is if it seems too good to be true, it's probably not. Yep, good advice. Be paranoid is another way to put that. Yes, we'll, <laughs> we're going to have a limited edition of Josh Masks in a future episode that we'll be selling. So you can walk around with the same kind of mask as Josh and you can be protected from all of the dangers of the real world. <laughs> Until then, Josh, stay secure. <laughs> stay secure, Kirk. Remember, you can save 60% on Intego software by using the promo code INTEGOPODCAST at checkout. Hurry, the 60% savings offer will be ending soon. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. Be sure to get every episode by subscribing at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. Links to the topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at Intego.com slash podcasts. The Intego website is also where to find details on Intego security and utility software. Intego.com. <laughs>